Welcome to the Pseudobook Podcast, a podcast about the arts and creative people doing creative work. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And this is Justin Edwards, his brother. And today we have a very cool guest on the show. This is a, an old friend and, and musical bandmate, Andres Diaz. Say hello. Hello. Glad to be here. So I've played music with Andres for years now. I met him when I moved to Denver, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, he's played in Genetic Engines. Um, he's got a little duo going with Smoke and Honey. But he's also got a, a project called Montropo, and there's a CD release happening this Friday for the debut album. And Andres has been working on this album for a long time, so excited to pick his brain about the history <laughs> yeah. of all these songs and producing them and finally culminating in this release. And I get to start sharing it with people because I love it. <laughs> Thank I, you. Like, I want to like hype it up to people. It's like, well, let's wait till it gets released. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> That's probably for the best. I don't think, Andres. Oh. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all I, for it. <laughs> my non-disclosure. I just signed the Christopher Nolan deal. I can't talk about Interstellar, but <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I want to um, see that. <laughs> So I, I'm interested to hear, how did you end up in Denver? You've been here, what, eight years now or something? Yeah, it's been around eight years, um, which is crazy. Um, well, I came uh, to move from here from Austin uh, to go to graduate school at University of Colorado, Denver. And um, that was that was the reason I came here you know, initially. What year I, was that? I think it was... Uh, Wait, you said eight years. Yeah. Okay. It might... Oh six, oh five. Yeah, I think it was actually oh five. So, and did you? So you grew Maybe. up in Texas. I did. <clears throat> I grew up in Central Texas, uh, a town called Temple, um, and I moved to Austin um, to go to college. And I lived in Austin for a few years before I um, moved to Denver. Yeah. And remind me, I, I seem to remember. Did you go to high school with the guy from Spoon? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. I. <laughs> Uh, he, he's from the same town and he was in my brother's grade. So he's a lot, he's a lot older than I am. Um, but, uh, his brother was in my, uh, Chris was in my grade. So yeah, he's probably, I think he's probably eight or nine years older, but, um, but yeah, we did have, um, we, we did both, um, go to that high school temple. Nice. And so you'd already, so did you play in bands, um, in Denver pretty much immediately, or did you get involved in some music after you moved here? Well, I was really focused on school for the first few years I was here, and uh, I mean, I've always been playing music by myself, <clears throat> and um, I was you know, writing ideas and playing guitar all the time and singing, but I didn't really start playing in bands until um, I started playing with Genetic Engines. Well, I guess actually before that, I tried to form a band um, <clears throat> myself, but uh, that didn't really work out very well, yeah. so it didn't last. Did very that long. group have a name at the time? Mm, no, I think it was just um, it was, didn't really get far enough to even have a name. Was it like Prince? Did you have a symbol? Or <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Yeah. Well, I I did want to talk about the the origin story. Um, not just your past, but also me meeting you. I, I mm-hmm. think it'd be a fun story to tell. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, yep. I thought I could tell a little bit of my side, but I actually want to throw it to you and hear if you remember any feelings or thoughts at the time. But okay. I recall, so this is around like late 2010. Um, I got a job at the University of Colorado and moved here, and I was just finishing up my own debut album. Um, and 
I was just look. I was like, I'm gonna do. Like, I was like all excited and charged up. Like, I'm gonna start a band. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna, whatever. I'm just full of energy. Hit Craigslist hard and uh, got a bunch of responses. And you were the one of the people I talked to. I actually meant to before this episode to see if I could dig up our emails from 2010 and see if there's anything <laughs> funny about them. Yeah, I didn't get around to it. That's a good idea. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you were one of the people that responded. And with all these people, I know. Mean, I didn't want to just show up at a practice space having never talked to any of these people. Yeah. Um, so I sort of arranged for these little like one-on-ones, like let's go grab a beer and make sure each other isn't a crazy person <laughs> <laughs> type meetups. And so I, I just remember meeting you at the Great Divide and uh, ordering samurais. Mm-hmm. And uh, nice. And so I don't want to say anymore. I don't want to see. Uh, do you remember feeling or thinking anything at that time? Like, who is this dude? Why is he so excited? <laughs> Mike's, Mike's impressions. You know. <laughs> no, I, I had a really good impression from the beginning about you because I, um, and I was really impressed because I had heard your music even before I met you that night. So um, I was really um, surprised by how good it was. You know, because you don't expect to. To see you get kind of jaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what then we were can, you, sorry to interrupt. What were you? I guess what were you doing on Craigslist looking for musicians? Like, how did you find yourself there, or was that just something you got in the habit of doing? Yeah, I think that was something. I think for you know, in, I, for a while, I'd wanted to play with other people, um, but the people I'd played with in the past just didn't work out for whatever reason. And I think I. I just uh, periodically would look on Craigslist. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. I was um, necessarily uh, looking for a specific thing at that point. Um, and I think at that point I wasn't even really trying to get... Um, I kind of abandoned the idea of getting a band together for myself. And so that another thing was I was just looking for opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. And I think that that seemed like a great opportunity where I could uh, contribute something, but it wouldn't be like my band. Mm-hmm. I do remember something from one of our early emails. You said something like, uh, I think you made a comment about songwriting and said maybe we could join forces. Uh, it was like this like superhero oh, club yeah. comment. <laughs> I remember saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I, you, you sent me a link. It might even, might even have been a MySpace link, but somewhere you had uh, yeah, the music yeah. uploaded yeah. of presumably the band you were trying to put together mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just before. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this guy knows how to write a song. Like These are really... Solid, catchy things coming out, and so I, I remember immediately being like, "I want to play with this guy. This guy knows what he's knows Thanks. what he's doing." Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Now I'm remembering that conversation. Yeah, even the joint forces part. I remember. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great. And I remember now. I'm remembering those demos too. Yeah. So, long story short, from there we played in Genetic Engines for a couple years, but. Um, I remember just throughout our time in Genetic Engines, we'd always just end up, uh, you know, having a drink somewhere or something, and we would talk about your songs. And it didn't really work out putting those songs into Genetic Engines, but there was kind of this this moment of like, I I need to make something with my songs. I want to I want to really actually put this on the front burner and start doing something with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of what pushed you over the edge of like, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to just like write songs in the background, but I'm really ready to actually go produce this stuff. Yeah, I think it was just an accumulation of uh, ideas, and um, 
feeling um, that I needed to do it at a, at a certain point. I can't. I got to the point where I just wanted to do something with that. And I think before I did, but I didn't feel as maybe um, it didn't feel as urgent. And it suddenly it became like this very urgent feeling in me to to do something with the material and um, and not just kind of wait around for something or someone else to to make it happen somehow. Yeah, take the know. reins for, of your own yeah. music. Mm-hmm. And of course I ended up, it ended up being a pretty collaborative process um, in making it, but I did make the decision to move forward with it and commit to making it, which was a big step. So. And this was actually, this was probably like 2012 even, or? I think it started in 20, was it? Yeah, it started in 2012, I think, when I first uh, uh looked for a place to record it and um and met with uh, some different people about that yeah so tell us about that what is it like trying to find spots in denver to record that there are plenty of studios but is it like trying is it more trying to find like someone you gel with like i think so um you know i i only went i i talked to maybe three or four people i didn't necessarily try everyone out that i could have but um I, th- I think it just came down to a, a gut feeling of, uh, fe- you know, feeling like someone um, would be open and willing to really help me develop this, um, and committed to it. And so that's when I, I decided on Nick uh, Sullivan to help uh, make it. So, so this was more than just like, oh, I need somebody to lay down some tracks. You wanted, kind of producing collaboration input. As well, yeah. I guess I, you know, I didn't realize that that's what I wanted actually at the time. I was thinking at the time of just making um, some pretty stripped down uh, acoustic and vocal things um, with you know arrangements for these songs. Um, But Mm -hmm. I do think once I started talking to to him, and um, I did, I did start to expand my, I guess, vision of it. yeah, because I, I think at that point I was still unsure about bringing in drums to like mm-hmm. a, to the to the songs. Yeah, I was picturing like very light percussion, and in, in the end, there are a few songs that have light percussion, but um, there's there's a, 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 a drum set, you know, sound to a lot of the those tracks on the album. Yeah, I remember hearing basic demos too, because Mike was getting really excited to get to share, and you know, he's collaborating with you too, and helping with those demos even. Yeah. Um, but then going from the, those to what it became with like, oh, you actually get, when got it produced and like there's mo- so much more to it beyond just guitar and singing, which was also great too. Mm-hmm. But I was really impressed and I'm glad it expanded. Yeah, I am too. I think it really fleshed out some of the ideas. I mean, a lot of the songs would have been shorter and um, I, you know, spent a lot of time obsessing about <laughs> A lot of details. I was laughing to hear shorter because they're they're not long songs even in their current <laughs> form. Most of them are you know three minutes. <laughs> it's true. They're they're not long by other people's standards, but for me they they felt long because they were actually you know like twenty or thirty seconds shorter probably most of them. But um, mm-hmm. but I but that was cool because I think the more uh, moving forward and realizing the um, potential in them lengthening them a little bit I think makes them feel more solid now that I look back on it so mm. yeah they definitely breathe a bit now too and that's always something I look for in a song that 
grabs me is like the delicate balance of like not overstaying its welcome, teasing you like I I want more, but if I wanted more, I could play it again. You know, it's kind of this mm-hmm. um, perfect level of finding. You know, a, a song a song can be long, but not feel long. You know, based on how they definitely go through the, the sequences of the song. So. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah, that's that's good <laughs> to hear. <Yeah. laughs> no, I because I, mean, I I'll hear even like it's something I listen to a lot of oldies too, and thinking like that's one of my influences I love. But like seeing like sometimes a two minute oldie song is too long already because they just do verse, chorus, and repeat over and over, and mm-hmm. it's like okay, we get it. <laughs> uh, but you wanted you're like I wish producers had you know they just wanted to cram as many songs into a radio show as they could, so all they're always always short you know and thinking of that but oh they could have done more with this song but it's just a catchy tune with doo-wop and then moving on yeah yeah so i want to talk a bit about the 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 players on the album the the cast of heroes that came to help bring it together um and we mentioned nick sullivan earlier he was uh, sort of the recording engineer that, that helped piece it together and knew some of the other people in the scene to to ask to bring in. Hey, did you know Nick before recording this album? No, I didn't. Um, I just, I, um, he was working at Silo Sound at the time, uh, which is a recording studio in uh, Denver. And um, I just uh, met with him there. Uh, I can't remember. I think I just heard some of the stuff that he had worked on. And, um, and so met with him in person and decided to go with him on that. And he brought in, you know, he played a huge part in the album. He brought in um, both in terms of working on the arrangements and um, bringing in the musicians that played on the album. At least uh, the the bass and the drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, most of the the musicians that played on the album um, probably is everyone aside from you actually. Mike played on the album as well. I wasn't going to toot my own horn. Um, (laughs) Someone had to say that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I do want to bring up that the the drummer that came in is Carl Sorensen, and he's kind of a a Denver scene (laughs) staple. He plays in dozens of projects and uh, is just a phenomenal drummer um, in terms of feel. And um, Did you know Carl before? I didn't. I didn't. I met both Carl and and Kalen, who played uh, upright bass or and bass um on the the whole album um the the day that we started recording yeah <laughs> so i hadn't met with them at all we had sent them some of the demos that i had made but um with just the guitar and voice um but i hadn't met them at all and i was completely blown away by both of them yeah um in the studio so yeah and actually um due to the the scattered recording process i didn't actually get to meet either of them for a long time mm-hmm. and i actually just met uh Kaylin for the first time a few weeks ago in, in preparation for this album release. Yeah, Kalen's playing uh, at the album release, which I'm really excited about. He's playing bass, and um, and Carl wasn't able to make it to the album release, but yeah. uh, Kim is yeah. awesome as well, and she's playing Kim Baxter. So, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, to go back to Carl, uh, Carl and Kalen, um one thing I just really appreciate about Carl's drumming is he really just sinks into a song and like not disappears, but really just becomes part of the fabric of a song. And um, it's I've always been impressed by that with his uh, style of drumming. Definitely, I you know like I was saying before, I was very hesitant to put um, prominent drums 
on the songs just because something about it felt unnatural to me. But I think once we started recording and it felt right, um, you know, I I was very I was like I said I was very blown away and it felt like the the right combination of elements and I was and I was glad I think it it enhanced, mm-hmm. enhanced the songs. So. A highlight for me would be "Unfollow Me" on the verse when he, he's doing this sort of like boom rattle, boom rattle on uh-huh. like the, the, the snare drum. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really great feel there. And then uh, just the sort of the shuffle beat on uh, not Brother's Day, uh, more, more light. light. <laughs> There's <laughs> well, these alternate <laughs> titles, but <laughs> yeah, um, really good stuff. So I, it's exciting to have that collaboration come together. A few other uh, players on the album. Uh, a fellow named TD, who I never got to meet, played some piano and, and keyboards. Yes, he played on it. Um, he played some keys and um, acoustic piano, and um, and a Sherry Kruger added some harmonies on Bessie. Yes, yeah, she sings on Bessie, and uh, and then Mike Michael Edwards, <laughs> who I'm talking to right now, <laughs> uh, is um, plays electric guitar on several. Uh, Two or three of the the tracks as they are. I don't I even remember exactly yeah. where I am on the album. It's just scattered around. But um, yeah, and uh, and also played keys and some background vocals. Mm-hmm. So those were all I, th- I believe all the musicians that played on it. I hope I'm not leaving <laughs> we, anyone we, out. An exhaustive list. <laughs> yeah. And so that what's the time frame schedule like? When did you start finally officially laying down to? Here we are this weekend releasing. Uh, when did I start? Yeah. Well, I met. I remember. I think I met with with Nick in 2012, um, and then it, after. I think recording began in 2012, which is crazy to think about that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I'm like, you talked about it, but like, because yeah, yeah, there were like scattered demo versions for like. Yeah, I felt like. Almost a couple yeah. of years now. Like we're we're through 214 already. Well, the plan was to to knock everything out in like in a, in a month or something, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it became clear that that was not going to happen. And um, Nick actually ended up leaving Silo Sound and um, have starting his own production company. And we recorded it um, in different locations after that. And also, um, you know, some of the songs were not really finished at all when I started working on them and so uh, through the because it took a lot longer um I actually ended up re-recording completely several of the songs and okay. but I think that but the the cool thing is I think that that made them a lot better because I, all that time spent thinking about them and trying out different things um so all of that took a long time but the the album was actually mastered um Along, I mean, it was finished at the beginning of uh, 2014. It's just taken a really long time to <laughs> get to the point of releasing, and I'm not exactly sure why anymore. But it's probably a combination of things and stuff going on in my life. And um, yeah. yeah, and so speaking of releasing, what's kind of your the model you're going with now? And do you have people helping you? Is it self online, or what are you doing? Uh, well, Mike's helping me with that. Um, I actually ordered some CDs to have um, at the show, and Great. Um, but 
when we have it on Bandcamp. Uh, we set up Bandcamp. We haven't actually released it on. The, yeah, that'll uh, open up Friday. That'll open up Friday, yeah. and then I also want to get it on iTunes, and uh, we're going to work on that pretty soon as well in different places online. So, um, but we're only making about a hundred CDs for the album release show. Okay. I was and working right now, on the artwork up yourself. until like a week ago. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Or less. gotcha. laughs> uh, What was that? Uh, I was just saying, so it's self-release. You're doing it yourself. You don't have somebody on board yet helping you push it. That's correct, yeah. yeah. No record label or anything. Yeah. And you, so you said you did the artwork all yourself too or just working with other people? Uh, I worked with someone else on the artwork. Uh, Cloud Nectar is his name. Um, and His birth name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, his, his actual name is Tim... Manthe, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name correctly, but um, I believe he lives in Seattle. And uh, I just um, I met this guy who had his artwork done by Cloud. I just call him Cloud Nectar primarily. So, um, and he, um, I I really liked this guy's artwork, and I asked him who did it, and he told me Cloud Nectar. And so then I started. Uh, so I was in communication with him, and he made the the cover, the um, the front art, the front cover art, and the back art. That cover. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Um, it'd be new to me too. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Cool. Yeah. He yeah. does really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. I can. Or, or you can wait till Friday and see it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'll check it out on Bandcamp. I totally won't privately show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I'm just looking him up now. He's really cool style. He does a lot of collage. Um, yeah. So bouncing around in the timeline a little bit, another one of the cool things that Andres, you got to work on was uh, the Come Back to Me short film soundtrack uh, for Justin's tenure at AFI. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this was a short film um, about a guy trying to win back his girl with a guitar. And (laughs) I'm sure Google it, Come Back to Me AFI, you can see it online. But um, I had a lot of fun working with you on, on that soundtrack, just uh, sort of letting loose with some poppy, um, indie pop type songs just to, to put under that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun doing working on that and also going to L.A. for that. Kind of, yeah, and so kind of that's uh, uh, this short film actually won the best use of music uh, for the college TV awards. Don't call them the college Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a real honor. I knew, yes, I mean, that's so long ago now, I can't believe it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was my my thesis film at the American Film Institute. Um, and it just, there's this music element, I wanted to work with Mike, and he brought you on board, um, which is fantastic. And I loved what it goes. Always, it's really great feedback on the music. And um, yeah, being able to kind of be a part of that, you know, they're throwing a party in LA. You all should come out, mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrate it. Um, I'll have to dig up some pictures because we were cramped into like the extra bedroom of our old apartment for recording that. It's just <laughs> yeah. like your, your, oh yeah, your perfect like indie recorded in a bedroom kind of production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no money for a studio. <laughs> That's one thing. I, that? I, I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was done. Oh, that I was fascinated about with. Uh, I've come from such a DIY background. Like I'm all like, for me, the thought of going into a studio and recording an album is 
like even if it would probably be the smart thing to do for quality like i don't know how to work that way mm-hmm. and uh so i as you were going about your album recording process i just i loved being sort of a a, a fly on the wallpaper just mm-hmm. sort of like how is this working how does the collaboration work and uh you know what would really work for me and help me and what would be like ah i don't want to deal with other people or mm-hmm. um I don't know how much recording you had done before the studio album. Did you have any reflections on what it's like trying to build a record in a studio with other people? Or um, I hadn't really done much recording before. I the recording I had done was just home recordings um, that were pretty raw. I think not really um, very sophisticated. I really enjoyed the experience of doing it in a studio. I think I was looking for a certain situation that made it feel. Like I was, it was the official thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I also didn't want to have to worry about a lot of the technical aspects mm-hmm. of it, just because, unlike you, I, I don't really do much of that in terms of, uh, you know, the software or the microphones and all that. So, I think I wanted someone else to kind of take charge on in that part, so I could focus on um, the writing and the performance of it. And I had a really positive experience. I mean, it was very frustrating, uh, the process, just because it it did take a long time, and uh, and some of that was out of my control. But I think um, overall, I enjoyed it. I think I'd like to do it differently next time, in mm-hmm. terms of like really figuring out exactly the arrangements and what I'm doing before going into a studio. <laughs> Instead of going in there and trying to figure out a lot of things, I think that's a bit dangerous unless you have um, unlimited resources <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and unlimited time. So that's a great question to follow up with. Do you, do you have stuff on, like cooking in the oven for, for what's next? Or is it more like, ah, just get this album out, I'm not thinking about that yet? Uh, well, I, I, did, I have started thinking about that, and I do have other ideas that I've been um, working on um, so yeah, I do, but it does. It has kind of felt like finishing this album, and you know, even symbolically releasing the the symbolic act of releasing uh, will feel good because it does feel like this thing's kind of been there for a long time and needs to be finished, you know, mm-hmm. to move on in some ways. So, and so these um, the band you've pulled together for the show. Friday, is this a one-time thing, or do you think you've got any momentum for continued live performances? I definitely want to continue to do live performances. I've I really enjoy doing that. Um, so there's nothing else lined up right now because I've been so focused on on this. Um, but yeah, I intend to keep playing out as much as as possible because I really. I've grown to love it uh, through playing with Genetic Engines and, um, you know, more recently with Montropo and uh, Smoke and Honey, the the duo that I've been playing in. I've I've really um, grown to get kind of a high out of playing live, so I really want to keep doing that. Good. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if you wanted to get into any, even just for listeners, like they're going to come check you out, but how you see kind of influences and you know people you listen to growing up and how you see that in coming into your own musical stylings um yeah big fan of influences who you listen to what 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 got you to where you are well i um 
when I started playing guitar, I was about 11 years old, and I, um, shortly after I started playing, I started playing classical guitar, um, certain that certain style, and um, I, I think that that style that I played from maybe 12 to about um, 18 or so has really influenced the way that I play. Even though I play a very different style, it kind of still comes through in the 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 way that I um, attack the guitar, I guess, or the tonal qualities that I'm drawn to, things like that, or the ideas that I come up with too. But um, so I think that that's a big part of of, of a big influence. And um, but I also think that um, a lot of um, the, before I even started playing that though I listened to a lot of Beatles as a kid and a lot of uh, the Kinks well actually the Kinks I listened to more when I was playing college um, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, songwriters that like Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, Nick Drake Cat Stevens I think a lot of those people have influenced me a lot as well um, Yeah, and I think that that comes through in um, in this album the songs I think there's an emphasis on like keeping things really like we were talking about the length of the songs. I think keeping things pretty tight and um, catchy melodies, or you know, the melodic part is what's really important to me. And I think a lot of that comes from this, the people I mentioned before. Um, you know, some of the people I mentioned before who emphasize the melody, and um, that's really what I'm I'm drawn to. Kind of keeping things. Um, yeah, I even think like. Um you can gut check if I'm way off base, but like I definitely hear some of the classical influence in tracks like Cathedral, mm-hmm. um, some of your progressions and, and guitar lines on that song um, are definitely beyond folk or, or pop music. They're, they're interesting changes. Um, and then I could almost hear Cat Siemens singing uh, More Light or, or a song uh, like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think both of those, those kind of uh, approaches... Are, are throughout the album and I totally agree with you I think a song like Cathedral started out actually as an instrumental um, a bunch of different instrumental ideas that were that I that I see pretty clearly as coming from the shapes of them come from previous um, classical pieces you know that I used to play instrumental music so definitely yeah one thing I also noticed too is just you know, and that's in common with some of these influences too. Is you know, l- lyrically, there's a, a, a storytelling aspect to you know the experiences you come in. How do you find your story for a song and what what you want to say, or how your lyrics kind of inform your expressions? Uh, usually, the um, I write the music uh, first, or the music and the lyrics come out about the same time. And then I work on the lyrics for a while afterwards. So I think usually what what ha- what happens is that whatever words kind of start to come out when I'm coming up with the music, um, I just try to flesh those out more later and try to um, make something coherent, more coherent out of them. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much the the process. But I almost never write li- uh, the words before the music. I don't think any of the songs that are on this album are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just try to um, I don't know if I'm answering your question but I just try to 
there's an initial feeling, you know, that comes with the music in terms of yeah. the words. And so I think it's just a matter of, of fleshing that out and trying to find, uh, you know, develop that more because I think usually that initial nugget is in, comes with the music. That's good. I, and I, I'm similar in my, my own approach back when I used to write more music, but yeah, I always want to find music first and then let that tell me like, what are you about? You know, mm-hmm. almost like, Oh, I'll go, you know, lay down a demo and just listen to it over and over without words and just going like, what does this tell me? What images especially? And, I don't know if Mike, your experiences yeah, completely like I've never written lyrics first. Um, I mean, I've tried, but it like anytime I, I start with words and try to put music to it, I, I just can't work in that direction. It's like Benjamin Button <laughs> songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I do know some people that do like are very word first, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm fascinated by how they work because I I just. I don't work that way. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, to me, the words need to feel right um, for the song. They need to work well with it. But to me, they're almost always somewhat secondary to the music. Um, but yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's like, what what words and syllables can I say that will fit in this melody? I'm like, oh, that word has three syllables and it needs to be two, so let's change the lyrics. Right. Yeah, that's the more more the way. I that feel I, like most people approach songs that way. Uh, they they like the music and the melody first, and then later they they pay attention to the words, mm-hmm. if ever paying attention to the words. <laughs> and that the the impact of the music is almost like ninety to ninety five percent of the impact of the words to them. Mm-hmm. That might be a little extreme, but if you're singing banana over and over to the most amazing song in the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could see that getting pretty silly (laughs) yeah there are definitely certain songwriters um, I mean I think of Leonard Cohen or or Bob Dylan sometimes where I think that the the lyrics are so strong that they could stand alone as poetry poetry. yeah Yeah. And, uh, and some people I really admire are like that but I'm just not like that (laughs) Um, you know if if some of it does end up working on its own it's an accident because i i wouldn't have uh planned it that way i heard on sklar brothers podcast they played some towns van sant and i'd never heard him officially before you know i've heard of him but i've just been listening to him a bit the last couple weeks too i really liked him yeah he's he's an amazing songwriter uh i love towns van sant um I was playing the other day Tecumseh Valley, which is a song of his that I think is really beautiful, um, just for fun in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep that. <laughs> Were you in the bathroom with a guitar playing his song, or did you have Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was singing it and playing it in the bathroom. I wasn't listening to it. Yeah. I just want to be really specific on that. I want you to visualize me in the bathtub. <laughs> now you're in the tub. I'm saying to come to Valley. Oh boy. So, uh, listeners, you can check out if you're in Denver, come to Montropo's CD release album release show. It is a CD release show now. We're, it is. We can say that because we we actually made CDs. <laughs> yes, um, yes. This brick and mortar. <laughs> that's this Friday at uh, Denver Syntax Physic Opera. It's on South Broadway. Um, there's this really great flyer that I made, so I'm being <laughs> self congratulatory. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it is awesome though. <laughs> it's uh, if you go to montropo.com or on 
Twitter, follow at Montropo. Um, and the album will be available for digital purchase as well on Friday, so you should definitely pick it up, and uh, that'll be on Bandcamp and other places if we can pull it together in time. But yes. soon enough on those as well. Um, Andres, thank you so much for being with us today. and uh, Thank you very much. Shooting it's the breeze. Fun. Thank you. Yeah, real pleasure. And uh, you can check out show notes and links to all this stuff at pseudobookpodcast.com slash 012. I'm pretty sure this is 12. We'll uh, find out when you go there. 